Shit, are you recording? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, fellow kids, and welcome to episode 10 of Hello, Fellow Kids. We're at 10 now? Yeah. I thought we were at 10 like the last five times. No, I was saying we're getting close to 10. Now we're actually at 10. Oh, okay. See, that's what happens when I don't listen. <laughs> but this is actually something worth celebrating. We made it to double digits. Double digits. So. One day, our listeners will get into the double digits. <laughs> <laughs> They won't. <laughs> they won't. Well, we'd have to actually like promote it or something rather than just like, let's just hope for the That's best. That's true. I, I tweet once a month to the three followers, I think two of which are me, but... <laughs> oh, that's really sad. <laughs> so for this month, we read All the Lovely Bad Ones by Mary Downing Hahn, which was a good choice for when we're reading it because it's almost Halloween. Bad choice for when we're uploading it, which is like December or January, somewhere in there. Okay, you know the months better, because I was thinking, March! <laughs> <laughs> so, before we get into the actual book itself, I just want to say that the title would always throw me off, because I would want to do one of two things. I would want to call it all the lovely bones, or yeah. I would want to say all the pretty bad ones, because it's like, they're not awful, but they're pretty bad. And so I could never get the title right in my head. <laughs> all the pretty bad ones. <laughs> well, I was thinking, like, what, like, nice dresses and they, like, perfectly applied makeup. All the pretty bad ones. The ugly bad ones go over there. <laughs> over there, uggos. <laughs> you bad with a bag on your head. <laughs> so, um, this is, like, the first time we've officially kind of gotten in, into child horror. I mean, doll bones kind of... Right, I mean, we've t- them, we've right? touched but... on it thematically, but we haven't gone full bored like, into it. Yeah, yeah, like that's the genre. Yeah. You know, I really wanted to like this more than I did. I gave it like a solid fine. Like I didn't regret reading it or anything, right. and there were definitely parts that I enjoyed. It wasn't as good as I remember some of her earlier books being. Same. Um, well, I didn't know if that was like the result of like being separated from being like the target audience for her books and being older. Right. Or... If she's kind of lost her mojo as she's gone along. I wonder if it also has to do with the fact that... Because she got big in like the... I want to say like the 70s, maybe early 80s. Uh, probably. Somewhere in there. Um, And she is... She's 80 years old now, which meant she was about 70 when she was writing this. You know, childhood changes a lot between generations. So yeah. writing kids in the 80s versus writing kids in like 2008 when this was, it's a very different sort of thing. And I was wondering if maybe that played into it, not not quite resonating with the climate of when it was supposed to take place, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad. No, no. But I don't know. I just felt a little disappointed. And like, maybe this is a well I should not have gone back to. Like, <laughs> I should have just assumed it was dry and like moved on <laughs> to something else. Because I have fond memories of reading her. I, I really loved Stepping on the Cracks. Uh, Dead Man in Indians Creek. Wait till Helen comes. Yes. And wait till Helen comes is so good. Uh, Time for Andrew. Yeah, that was I, that the was other one, one I remember men. reading. And um, the gentleman outlaw and me, Eli. That one was super rad. I don't know. This one didn't really stand up to how much I loved those ones. Should I tell them what this is about? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so we got our two kids, like our protagonists. They're like twelve and eleven, I think. They're staying with their grandmother for the summer, and she runs an inn. I kept picturing the end from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she runs an inn and uh, the kids are staying with her and they're, they're kind of rambunctious and silly and they find out that the place was used to be haunted. 
And they're all like, well, why don't we make it currently haunted? So the kids play ghost and unfortunately wake up real ghosts in this place. And it is real ghosts. It's not just like, like doll bones, like, is this just a weird thing that's happening? Right. Or is it really, there's, there's no room for, there's no yeah. wiggle room here. <laughs> there's no subtleties here. It's actually ghosts. And that's what the book's about. La la. Have you ever watched Gravity Falls? No. Okay. Is this like Gravity Falls? So I just finished watching Gravity Falls with my girlfriend, and it is about twins, a boy and a girl, and they're 12 years old, and they go to stay for the summer with their great uncle in a uh, rural town that has strange things happening, and I was just constantly, like, switching the characters in my head and being like, oh, and then Dipper went up, never mind, sorry, Uh, (laughs) whatever your name is. Travis and Corey. Travis, yeah. They're terrible names. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I haven't heard Corey for a girl before, so I was kind of, like, weirded out by that. I was like, why? May, may as well just named her Travis. <laughs> I ended up writing a story last night, and I named the dog Corey, because I just finished this <laughs> earlier that day. <laughs> Corey. That's, I don't like that name at all. Sorry what about, if uh, Corey. Isn't he in Boy Meets World? Isn't yeah. He? Okay. Why is that going to affect my opinion? I still don't like <laughs> I, that name. I, I don't know. <laughs> You know, I'm gonna name you people who are named Corey and you give me your opinions on them. Welcome to the Corey Podcast. <laughs> All right, today's episode, Corey Feldman, nay nay. Okay, should we get going? And this is a short one. It's under 200 pages and there's only 20 chapters. So if you're, why would I say if you're reading along at home? Never mind, forget it. Well, forget you, you either did or you didn't because we did, let you know a month ahead. Did you do the homework? Did you? <laughs> I'm finish mine and like write down at the wires <laughs> so if anybody just... wants to pause we're going to be talking about chapters one through four we'll be here and when you're back we're late. <laughs> <laughs> okay so chapter one we meet our lovable scamps travis and Corey, at the airport <laughs> where they're met at the gate by their grandmother i was like what year is this because you haven't been able to meet people at the gate for like right? 10 years for no, longer than that it, it was published 2008 yeah so i was like well when did she actually write it because <laughs> Since 2001, you have not been able to meet people at the gate. Because then they're like, oh, we went along to baggage claim. And I was like, you shouldn't be able to do that. Right. She should have met them at baggage claim. That's where you pick up people from the airport. Anyway, so I was already like, about this. So um, anyway, grandma's under the impression that the kids have chosen to spend the summer with her at her inn. But really, the kids are so rambunctious and prankish that they've been formally asked not to attend their usual summer camp. The inn doesn't have many guests due to the book Haunted Inns of Vermont. There's a lengthy description of Grandma's Inn, uh, the Inn at Fox Hill, which is a terrible name, um, which is filled with uh, all the ghost tropes you could think of. The lady in white who wails outside, spectral children running and laughing through the halls, objects going missing, and so on. The problem isn't that people are afraid of the ghost. It's that they come expecting ghosts and are disappointed to see nothing. This gives our puckish protagonists a wicked idea. <laughs> Anything to discuss in chapter one? Other than... Are we going to go chapter by chapter, or do you have it broken up into... Well, do you have anything you want to say that, about the intro? Because I noticed you got blue markings all over that book. So... Dude, I highlighted so much, but let's go ahead and do it in chunks. Okay, so chapter two. The kids have dinner, and they're served by the grim and silent Mrs. Brewster, and get to meet the other guests. Staying at the inn are two young men there to ride bikes... I thought they were homosexuals, because who else is going to Vermont to, like, bike riding? Yeah. I was, I'm pretty sure they're gay. Yeah, okay. But then one was all like, my girlfriend sees stuff, and I was like, oh. <laughs> you could be gay and have a girlfriend. It's called bi. 
Bicycle. <laughs> That's the coding. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, and then the other people staying there is this couple in their 50s, the Jennings. Jennings? Jenningses? How, how am I going to say it? It was Jenningses when it was plural. I really hate Jenningses, so I'm just going to say Jennings, so I'm not going to be Right? Correct. The number of times that she had to write Jenningses, I was like, you could just change the last name. It's not that important. Yeah, I know. Just make them Miller. <laughs> it's pretty easy. Okay, so the Jennings are there to see ghosts, and they ask the kids if they've ever had an experience with the supernatural. So Corey, our natural little storyteller, steps up and tells a totally BS story about seeing a friend's dead grandmother. And Mrs. Jennings eats it up with a spoon. Grandma, uh, I keep changing to grandma, but they call her grandmother through the whole thing, which I was like, no one in the 21st century calls their grandmother grandmother. It's like, Mima, grandma, grams. Unless granny. they're like horrified of her, but like this grandmother isn't that scary. She's she's very practical. I super like their grandmother. She's like <laughs> the one character I was like, yeah, like most of the time. So uh, grandmother is disapproving of all this talk. She's a non-believer, and she just sits there while the whole group starts swapping ghost stories. Uh, finally, the group breaks up, and Grandma has uh, Mr. Brewster, Mrs. Brewster's equally silent and grumpy husband, take the kids' luggage to their rooms on the first floor in the back. So she's got, like, this apartment that's separate from all the other rooms, and that's kind of important later. Yeah. So alone, the two kids start planning the ghost sightings they're about to stage. They want their grandma to make big bucks and be super famous! So, chapter three. <laughs> the next morning, Corey play acts to the Jenningses about the woman in white she saw last night. Right at that grove of trees at 3 a.m. Be there or be square. <laughs> so the Jennings completely buy it, and I'm so embarrassed for them. <laughs> I really was. I'm like, the whole time, I'm just like, dude, you're so getting played. Like, why are you believing this? Like, the first thing that people do usually when it's like ghosts or like they hear stuff, they're like, those kids are screwing around. I bet it's those kids. That's like every time. But yeah. no one goes, I bet it's those kids, like, ever. Until, like, way later when they're like, I think it was the kids. And it's like, they clearly effing wasn't. <laughs> so, uh, later that day, the kids go into town and they get makeup and spooky supplies while everyone else has a mundane day. Finally, it's 3 a.m. And Corey Stevie nixes her way through the trees, then screams! You know what I'm... Pi- <laughs> yeah, this gives you what to picture, right? <laughs> and then she screams! The kids run back to the inn and are in bed just when Grandma comes to check on them. No ghost sightings for them. They were fast asleep. So, the next morning, everyone is talking about the scream. The bike riders think it's a cougar, but Mr. Brewster grumps by saying it wasn't a cougar, so that one's that's one theory debunked. Mrs. Jennings tells everyone about the ghost, referring to Travis and Corey to back her up. Grandma immediately smells BS and says that this is the first she's ever heard of a ghost, and Corey snivels that she didn't think Grandma would believe her, so she told Mrs. Jennings instead. Grandma claims the scream came from someone up the road who raises peacocks. Kate's closed. Everyone shut up about ghosts. <laughs> That's why she was my favorite character. So uh, that afternoon, three more couples turn up at the inn. They're all friends of the Jennings, and they're all clamoring for ghosts. For no reason that I can fathom, Travis wanders around in the grove and thinks he sees Corey. But it isn't. Le gasp! <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to wait for Josh to flip through his uh, blue book. Hey, man. There's, there's so much. Blue. There is. There's a lot. Well, because I, I also highlight to, like, keep the plot straight. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
in my head, I had a whole conversation there. It was me rereading the passage, you were just finding like, it funny, and then deciding that it wasn't funny enough to say, and then just moving on to my next note. Oh, as soon as they read the entry in the book about the inn, and it yeah. talks about Mrs. Brewster, I was like, oh man, she's the ghost. I mean, she wasn't the ghost, but it's pretty obvious that she has to be tied to it if she's been at the inn since the previous owners like and she would have got away with it if it wasn't for those meddling kids <laughs> further gravity falls parallel in gravity falls there's a 16 year old who works at the mystery shack where the kids are staying and the boy has a crush on her and then in this there's a 16 year old that the boy has a crush on that yeah. works there and her name's tracy her name's tracy not wendy and she's blonde not redhead this has been gravity falls podcast <laughs> so I don't know it what exactly it was. As far as I know, Mary Downey Hunt, all of her stuff is written about the same region, like like New England area. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it might be because of that dialect, but there were quite a few dialogue phrases in here that sounded strange to me, but might be totally normal. Like uh, somebody says, oh, I'm all over goosebumps oh. when saying that they have goosebumps right now. Mm-hmm. And so I was just thinking... That they were like really into the book series, like that's how the phrasing sounds or they to me. Weren't anymore. Exactly. I'm it's, all over. Yeah, it's one of those two. <laughs> I'm so sick of that crap. So blase. <laughs> I've graduated to Fear Street. <laughs> <laughs> so there were a few other times where I was like, "Is this a typo?" And then I realized with the consistency of it that no, it's just a uh, regional. Yeah, thing. colloquialisms. I don't like snails. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you laughed at that. I really enjoyed whenever the kids would start making plans, how quickly they would extrapolate them. Because they were like, okay, well, we could fake that there are ghosts. And then there would be a bunch of people coming because of it. And then grandmother would have to turn people away. There'll be traffic jam from here to Burlington. The Learning Channel will send a team of psychics and ghost hunters. Anderson Cooper will do a week-long special on CNN. Someone will write a book like the Amityville Horror. It'll be a best They'll make a movie out of it. We'll star in it. Yeah. That actually irritated the crap out of me. <laughs> I'd be like, no, they won't. Because they're going to be the people who come out and want to debunk everything. But for no one can ever have fun. But that's the exact logic that, like, my 11-year-old cousin would follow. Because he would always be like, I have this idea with my friend. And then, like, a few minutes later, he'd be like, and then we'll make a million dollars off it. Because, like, I was picturing BuzzFeed Unsolved <laughs> spending the night out there. <laughs> and, like, Shane being just being all like, ghosts? Hello, ghosts? Are you going to come get me, ghosts? While Ryan's like, shut up. Will you shut up? <laughs> it's the <like> whole dynamic. <laughs> Where he yells like, demons, it's your boy. <laughs> if there are any ghosts here, please smash that like button. Hit subscribe. Well, usually he, does, he says, like, if there's a ghost here, then do something to Ryan. And while Ryan's like, stop it. Don't tell them that. It's not funny. It's, we've never seen anything they've done. How many videos? Yeah. I just got so annoyed. But I'm just going to say straight up, like, right now, I hate ghost hunting shows. I hate ghost shows. They irritate the crap out of me because it's always like two annoying people loudly breathing in a room going did you hear that did you hear that and then annoying like the night vision yeah the night vision camera that annoys me and just everything about it just bothers me it takes away like i always like when i was younger i believed in ghosts and i think i know and now i don't think i do but i still think you should probably be respectful on the off chance they are so you shouldn't be an enormous a-hole and you shouldn't go around teasing them either. Just don't be a dick, be a dude. <laughs> so a lot of this book, I was irritated. <laughs> 
I like the first half of ghost shows when they talk about the lore of it before yeah. they have people try and spend a night there. Right. I'd rather just have the show just be like, tell ghost stories. Yeah. That'd be super cool. And then, like, there's the place. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> then let's go you, get pizza. If you ever go there, whatever you experience is going to be your own reality, whether or not it was actually anything supernatural or you were just creeped out. But that's way more valuable than watching people Bumble try around and in fail the dark. to, yeah. Yeah, going, <gasps> I just felt something. No, you didn't. <laughs> and then and then it cuts to commercial with that, that like, that symbol. You know when they, they do the on the symbol right before it cuts in like every reality show to like drum up tension oh yeah my mom watches a lot of reality tv so i've started to pay attention to like the the sound <laughs> cues that they use and that's exactly what they do <laughs> did i tell you what happened to my corn what okay so i'm asking this because they use the phrase the corn will wither on the stalks at the end of one of the chapters but did i, I told you i was growing corn a couple months ago in my backyard right no yeah, I did. It was okay. I did because we talk about it in school, and I was like, I should make my my corn husks into shoes, like Cap did. And then you're like, tell me how that goes in a really sarcastic voice. <laughs> but anyways, uh, raccoons came and broke all of my corn stalks, like right when they were starting to produce ears. They're like, try and wear these as shoes, loser. <laughs> they were Zach. <laughs> they were Zach and his friends taking apart your corn stalks. <laughs> Sorry, Capricorn Anderson. You're not going to be wearing corn husk shoes today. Did they eat it? Or did they just tear it down to be... No, nah, they just tore them all down. <laughs> yeah, the ears were untouched. What bitches? <laughs> you were visited by bitch raccoons. <laughs> They're like, ah. <laughs> he looks like he put a lot of work into this, so let's just wreck it. <laughs> God, that's not kale. Oh my God, a nerd. <laughs> yeah. Suburbia, this is in Iowa. <laughs> I don't think they ever formally announce the names of half the characters in here. They'll just be like the bikers for three chapters and then just start referring to them by this name. This Robert and Thomas or whatever their name is. Yeah, are. like they didn't introduce, they were just like, and then Robert said, I was like, who's Robert? And then I had to go back and reread three chapters and there was still no Robert. I, d I didn't keep track of any of the couples. I was trying to until I realized that they were just going to be a rotating cast of victims. So I <laughs> then I didn't bother. <laughs> okay, Mr. <laughs> And his wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, chapter five. The kids ghost walk again, but this time Travis senses a presence with them and senses it following them back to the inn. In the morning, ooh, <laughs> symbol. <laughs> in the morning, um, in the morning, everyone is thrilled by the ghosts, and the teenage waitress Tracy says she's gonna camp out in the grove and see the ghost close up. The kids panic, but then decide to do their ghost BS inside tonight so Tracy won't catch them. Boom, Tracy. You basic. <laughs> so, later on, the kids walk through the grove. I don't know why they just kind of wandered through crap all the time, but anyway. They just walk through the grove and they feel creeped out. Both of them admit to sensing something the other night, and then they run back to the inn, just happening to take a path that leads them to a row of square stones that have two-digit numbers chiseled into them. What could these be? You knew they were graves, right? Did yeah. you know immediately they were graves? Yeah. Probably popper graves? Yeah. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> I was like, the only other thing that I've ever seen like that would be time capsules, and this isn't going to be a time capsule story. This is not a time capsule story. <laughs> <laughs> After an afternoon of swimming, there's new guests. A couple from Albany and a fancy schmancy ghost hunter named Eleanor Duval. She makes a strong impression on the kids, and Corey brags to her about seeing ghosts. Miss Duvall wants to see the grove, so the kids take her and the Jennings' entourage, 
everyone dramatizes swaying and crossing themselves and it's really embarrassing because <laughs> they're like i feel ghosts oh it reminded me of like this cousin of mine told me uh he, he was at a party once when he was like in middle school and there was kool-aid for them to drink and he mentioned to the one person that he'd put beer in the kool-aid and then all the kids started drinking going i'm drunk and he hadn't yep yep <laughs> so that's what i thought of immediately reading this so yeah they're dramatizing and being embarrassing and uh, miss duval confirms that something really is there that night the kids knock on doors sobbing and laughing and flash a blue light the ghost idiots are all beyond thrilled at this basic shit but then tracy comes running to the inn screaming she tried to camp in the grove but an evil presence drove her away the children had not been in the grove so it wasn't them Oh boy, the ghost idiots cry. Two ghosts! <laughs> I call them the ghost idiots from here on out. <laughs> so, grandmother's had enough of this ish and sends everyone to bed. The kids don't like their ghost game anymore. <laughs> uh, chapter 6. The next day, the kids hound Tracy about her experience. Mrs. Brewster gets her talking, and apparently Tracy saw a face while she was out in the grove. Just felt scared. Yeah. And uh, Mrs. Brewster suggests... Finally, the first person to suggest that it was the two dipshit kids, Travis and Corey, because she knows these kids are a-holes. Tracy insists it was real, and the kids tell her they believe her, since they've sent something in the grove, too. Uh, Mr. Brewster advises them to stay out of the grove, that trouble finds folk that look for it. Boy, howdy, he's right. (laughs) That's the message to take away from this book. He doesn't speak often, but when he does... (laughs) (laughs) He serves facts. A little later, the kids overhear the Brewster's disgusting disgusting discussing the ghostly events that there's bound to be trouble that the kids stirred them up and her too they wake up easy and they're hard to put back to sleep i, I really hate when people use coded language like that you're just like they're talking you're, about infants right it's like you're alone with each other just say what you mean <laughs> so anyway right then tracy alerts them to the washing machine malfunctioning and mr b remarks that he'll be kept busy with all sorts of machines going haywire now Great! I'll be forced to do my job! (laughs) (laughs) All this cryptic talk upsets the kids, especially the implication that they're bad for whatever happened. They're really worried that they really have woken up ghosts. They go out front of the inn and find that Miss Duval's assistant, Chester, has arrived in a tacky hearse with his ghost hunting equipment. What a (laughs) douchebag. One of my favorite lines in the books relates to him, so... Okay, great. So the ghost idiots are thrilled to see him, and Miss Duval introduces him to the kids, especially the sensitive Corey. Corey goes off to sulk in her room, and Travis wanders around aimlessly until he shows... A lot of the book is Travis doing that. <laughs> yeah, really. he cannot entertain himself. I'm gonna be honest, I forgot that he He's was the older a character. One? Did you forget he was the older one, too? Yes, but she I... was... I would straight up just be like, oh, it's just the narrator guiding us from, like, one scene to the next. Oh, that's supposed to be an actual person? Yeah, Travis has no <laughs> he's personality. Like a, yeah, he's a non-character. He really is. It would have been cool if it turned out at the end he was a ghost. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, anyway. Played by Bruce Willis. Played by Bruce Willis. He's wandering around aimlessly, and he shows up at, back at the Stones again. And uh, Mr. Brewster finds him there, and Travis asks him about the Stones, but Mr. B tells him it's Nanya. What's Nanya? None your business. <laughs> I knew you'd. I knew you'd go along with it. At dinner, Chester loudly announces that Corey's responsible for the ghosts. They're sensitive to young people's psychic energy, especially disturbed ones. Wow. So Corey, uh, of course, runs to her room upset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and grandmother tells 
Chester to cut his stupid ghost talk in front of her grandkids, and I want to high-five her. Uh, she goes after Corey, leaving Travis alone. Uh, Chester and Miss Duval join him for dessert, and he's too polite to tell them to F off. They want to know Corey's psychic history, and Travis tells them they faked everything. Miss Duval says that this may have started as a game, but it's real now, and they have the equipment to prove it. Do you want another one? It's night vision goggles that they got for $39.99. Yeah. Those were relatively long, I think. Well, a lot happened. I mean, Travis wandered around aimlessly for pages. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. <laughs> it's, listen, it's really important to just kind of meander. He always looks to his younger sister for like, what should we do? What do we need to do now? I'm like, no older sibling is like that. When Chester is first introduced, I would like to just... This isn't my favorite line. The favorite line's still coming up, but let me just describe. He pulls up in a hearse that says, Chester Coakley, psychic investigator, the man to call when things go bump. The license plate said, I see beyond. The driver's door swung open and out stepped a tall, thin man with a long gray ponytail and matching beard. He wore a Grateful Dead baseball cap, black jeans, and black boots. His faded black t-shirt says, I see and I catch dead people i just wrote good grief man <laughs> give it up and what's with the grateful dead hat because if you see any grateful dead paraphernalia or anything it's really colorful yeah it's tie-dye it does not fit his aesthetic at all other than they're called dead it's, they're called dead and he's old yeah here's what happened okay okay he was a deadhead did a few too many psychedelics they had lingering effects and now he sees ghosts so many ghosts <laughs> up in this inn man <laughs> so uh chapter seven travis goes after Corey, and she's pissed at him he's you know he's baffled by it so she told him earlier that she wanted to be left alone to read and he beat on her door and he threw crap at her window only travis didn't do any of that not wrong <laughs> when grandmother tries to send the kids to bed the power goes out once the candles are lit the ghost idiots come shrieking in the women are all crying about the ghost they saw while the husbands try to debunk it as swamp gas or some ish a Mr. Frothingham asks for lights because they're scared, and someone calls him an old scaredy cat. Hilariously, Grandmother blames Travis for this, who's literally said nothing so far. <laughs> <laughs> and it keeps happening. <laughs> and I laughed every single time. <laughs> Grandmother makes tea for everyone while Chester reviews the footage they shot. Suddenly, the power comes back on, including every single appliance in the inn. Uh, Mr. B reports that uh, everything came back on way before he got to the fuse box. So Chester says uh, the ghost did it, and Corey's the catalyst. Grandmother's had enough, and she tells him she wants him and his shit out in the morning. She's cool until she turns on Travis and calls him out for mocking the guests. And when he protests his innocence, she tells him he's lying and sends him to bed. Back in Corey's room, the kids try to regroup and talk, but then all hell breaks loose. Lights go on and off, and the bed starts shaking like crazy. These invisible fingers start pinching them. It doesn't end there. The closet door slams open and closed. <laughs> A picture falls. Books are thrown. It's chaos. Grandmother comes in and is horrified by the mess, demanding to know what the F they've been doing. And Corey's had enough, and she starts crying. Of course, Chester and Miss Duval barge into Grandmother's private apartment, and they keep insisting it's ghosts. The ghosts start pinching Miss Duval's big butt and taunting her. <laughs> shouting out. She's got a big butt. I mean, and shouting out rude words. This time, Grandmother's looking right at the kids and knows they did nothing. Suddenly, a cold wind blows, and a new, harsh, scary voice tells the annoying ghosts they're going to be punished if they don't quit it. Everything stops, and the lights come back on. 
So I'm used to ghost stories like Paranormal Activity where it spends 45 minutes slowly building up the things. Right. So to go from like... Zero to 60? Yeah, it's like, it's a little cold <laughs> and then it's like everything's flying around the room. <laughs> like, did you hear that? And <laughs> <laughs> It's like you went from like... Well, you're right, like the beginning of Paranormal Activity to... Um... The last half of like poltergeist where it's all like the lights and yeah just instantaneously right it's just like not even like a little bit more build up than this like maybe something falls over once and they're like how could the kids have pushed that over that's a heavy oak chest that hasn't been in been moved since 1980 you know whatever it made me laugh i was like this isn't even scary does this get scary? This just seems annoying. I just wrote 0 to 100 real fast right at the top of that scene. <laughs> uh, I also wrote in here, because this is about the time that I made the decision, but when you're reading these books, how far in do you usually get a feel for what you're probably going to rate it out of, like, five stars or whatever? I don't know if it's length, but if it's if I'm getting annoyed frequently, then I'm like, well, okay, that's this isn't that great. Uh-oh. Okay. Yeah, this sucks. <laughs> it's, it kind of, like, gets to that point. Okay, so... So it's more like, yeah. Does it usually, like, start higher and then things will knock it lower? Or does it start at, like, a middle point and, like... Middle. Okay. And then sometimes it kind of... Yeah. Like, kind of oscillates between, like, oh, I didn't know. And then sometimes at the end, if it did that too much, that's how I end up with, like, a two-and-a-half-star book. If it was too inconsistent of an experience. Right. It would have, instead of the doll bones where I'm like, I'm going to take you by the hand... And I lead you through cool shit the whole way through. That's like five stars, five stars, five, five. <laughs> oh, I said five. I said ten. A million. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm thinking like, okay, you know, I really like this, but it's not changing my life. But I mean, I'm really liking it. Four. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I noticed for me that like it often happens during the last handful of chapters that any significant change in how I'm feeling about it will happen. Like I was reading a book for fun about a month ago and i was like i was like this is gonna be like four stars minimum this is really really good and then the last like three chapters just totally fell apart and just tanked it so hard um but this one about seven eight chapters in i was like it's gonna be fine it's never gonna get any better than this i don't think chapter eight uh grandmother tells miss duval that if she's responsible for the ghostly violence she's suing her again she wants the ghost hunters out at checkout tomorrow then she orders the kids to bed Travis sleeps on Corey's floor, and in the morning he returns to his room, which is a shambles. Creepily, Chester's lurking outside, and he climbs in the window to take pictures. No. Just no. <laughs> While the kid's trying to, like, organize his underwear and, like, yeah, put it back in the drawer. freaking creep. <laughs> oh, my God. So grandmother finds him, and he throws him out. Then she admits to Travis that she can't think of a rational explanation for last night, and she's gonna pretend like it never happened. Chapter 9. Uh, after breakfast, most of the guests check out in solidarity with the ghost hunters. At least that's their story. The kids kind of suspect they're all just big pusses. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, even Tracy's talking about leaving. Uh, she's saying her mother thinks she should come home. She's shaky and spilling water. So the ghosts taunt her, you know, like, like sloppy girl, and throw and break stuff until Mrs. B yells at them. But they dump a pitcher of water on her head. I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> just, you can't stop it! <laughs> What are you going to do? Can't spank me. <laughs> I'm not here. <laughs> Grandmother rushes in and she's dismayed and Mr. B is grumpy at all the crap he has to fix and sarcastically thanks Corey for her pranks, which I thought was a dick move. Corey runs away and Travis follows. God, if we had... 
I wrote that so many times. Corey, Corey runs away, away and Travis, Travis follows. <laughs> they talk about how scared they are, but they're responsible for all of this, and they feel like they need to put the ghosts back. They see Mrs. B heading off to the old barn, and they follow her. She stands there at the stones talking to the ghosts and how they deserve to be resting in peace. They ask Mrs. B who the ghosts are, but she refuses to give any info, saying they will tell them if they want to. Then the ghosts chase the kids back to the house, flinging pebbles at them and copying what Travis says. And honestly, this sounds more annoying than scary. <laughs> Very true. It reminds me of, like, when I'm trying to eat something, and, like, Cheesa keeps trying to climb on me and, like, touch and, like, get the thing. And I'm like, stop it. And I, like, push him every time, and he comes back every time, like, not getting a clue. It's like, you're an annoying cat, you ghosts. <laughs> um, so chapter, what was that, chapter 90 you just finished? Yes, indeed. That has my, my preferred line. Okay, let's hear it. A man who wears a ponytail and drives around in a hearse is it. simply not to be trusted. Or a woman over 20 who still polishes her nails black and has a nose ring. So for the first half of that, I was like, freaking words to live by. Second half, I was like, something's kind of hot, though. <laughs> You're describing me, Madeline. You're like, I'm going to drive a hearse. <laughs> and I never wear ponytails. And then if you talk about the second part, I don't have a nose ring. <laughs> well, I painted my nails black before, so I'm like, F you, lady. <laughs> Chapter 10. The kids take refuge in the library, and Travis scans the shelves until a pamphlet randomly slides off a shelf. It's titled, The Strange History of Fox Hill, as recorded by the Reverend William Plasto. That's how you can tell it's old school, and it has a very wordy title. They sense they're being watched as they read the dedication to the children. Oh, I wanted to read that. This treatise is dedicated to those who suffered at Fox Hill Poor Farm, especially, if I may borrow a few lines from John Greenleaf Whittier, The Children. The happy ones and sad ones, the sober and the silent ones, the boisterous and glad ones, the good ones, yes, the good ones too, and all the lovely bad ones. Title of the book. <laughs> yep, that's that's my uh, that's my finger gun moment. Every time I read the title of a book while I'm reading the book, so I'm just like, about hey. jellyfish. <laughs> what is the deal with jellyfish? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the inn used to be the Fox Hill Poor Farm. Or uh, people down on their luck were shipped to work. The kids uh, equate it to the workhouse that Oliver Twist goes in. And it's it was a really horrible system that I'm... When you read more about it, it's just super gross. Like, I hated that this happened. They, so the farm was owned by a pair of siblings, Cornelius and Ada Jags. They abused the people on the farm so badly. And it must have been bad since this was the 1800s when we can all agree people were generally garbage. That they were dismissed from their positions and the farm was shut down. No, seriously. It had to have been really bad for right? people back then to care. Because <laughs> this was around, like, people owned slaves at this time. Right. So, they, then the horrible crap they did to them. And, of course, the deplorable way they're treating the poor. Anyway, yeah. it's, I was just like, and were they, like, cutting them up and hanging them from trees? What were they doing? It had to have been really bad for you to care. <laughs> Did I say, oh, they were dismissed from their positions and the farm was shut down. Cornelius ran off God knows where and Ada hanged herself in the grove. She's buried at Fox Hill, as well as everyone who died in her supposed care. The room gets really sad and cold, and then three of the ghosts appear. They're little boys named Caleb, Ira, and Seth. The ghosts tell the kids they have to put all the ghosts to rest, since the kids are the ones who started all the trouble. Reasonably, Travis asks how they can do that, and the ghosts get all butthurt and start pinching again. That's a good question. Like, how do you want us to do that? Right? And I'm like, 
Well, do you have a plan, sir? <laughs> do you have any effing idea? Then they settle down and badmouth Miss Ada until Grandmother comes to get the kids for dinner. She doesn't see the bad ones, but she can feel when they tap her and she sees the magazines they're throwing around. Uh, she blames it on the wind. It's not the wind! And closes the window just as it starts pouring rain. That's a family guy reference if you want. Because <laughs> there's this joke. They're at like Fox News mm -hmm. and the characters are getting a tour. They're like, and this is the button that we press that only makes the sound in Al Gore's head. And then they push it and then you see Al Gore sitting reading his paper and he like puts it down like, Looks all around. He goes, there's that noise again. And his wife's <laughs> in the other room goes, it's probably just the wind. He goes, it's not the wind. <laughs> anyway, so it starts pouring rain and it's, it rains for a while. Uh, the kids show grandmother the pamphlet at dinner and she's never seen it before. As she tells the kids that Tracy's mother has come to collect her and that she expects the kids to pick up the slack now. And I just want to say really quick, I really related to Tracy because I would have called my mom and gone home too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the bad ones show up and they start shaking the chandelier and stealing napkins and they toss the mouse onto a table of old ladies. Grandmother tries to settle the hubbub. The kids go to watch TV. Tracy's mom has got it going on. <laughs> no, that's so what I want to tell like, or I want to call her like, is this all the scary ghosts? And she's like, I think maybe you should probably come home. So three of the ghosts are named. Caleb, Ira, and Seth. And the rest are just these kind of amorphous shadow children, shadow children which that's the name of my favorite series by Margaret Peterson Haddock. So I kept picturing all of these, like, because in that they're just any, like, third or more kid in a family. Is it's, that what, among the hidden, among yeah. the brave? Among, okay. Yeah. I was just picturing characters from that. The ghosts bugged me in this for quite a few reasons. One, they're obnoxious. Right. But also, I, I didn't like the basically ghosts... Especially if you believe them, they could be seen, communicated with. A lot of ghost stories, like, they, you know, they always, like, repeat the same actions or whatever, and they're just kind of, like, stuck in this loop until they're freed or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they're not really, they're stuck in the area, but they can kind of do whatever they want, which includes, like, moving stuff around however they want. So basically, they're just alive. Like, they don't have to eat or anything, but if they want to, they could, like, sit and read a book. It's Beetlejuice rules. I didn't finish watching Beetlejuice. I fell asleep partway through because we watched it really late and I never went back. How dare you? Beetlejuice is the best movie ever. I'm sorry. Basically, yeah, they're confined to one place and they can move stuff around. I would just be like, bring me some more books and I'm fine. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't have to be a dickhead and ruin people's right? dinners. <laughs> I'd be bummed out seeing all the food like, I want to eat that. Yeah. Also, wouldn't <laughs> the most reasonable way to get somebody to help put you to rest... Is not antagonize them? Right. Just be like, oh my gosh. I was just talking about how I really hoped that uh, they had another Danish and then some Danish just floated out to me. You know? Oh. Like just <laughs> I bet they want to be resting in peace somewhere. I should help them. I'm just saying. <laughs> floating treats would go a lot further this than Danish pinching butts. Like a promise. <laughs> it was the Danish compromise. <laughs> of 8.30 a.m. Of 8.30 a.m. There you go. Okay, so chapter 11. Um, the kids are watching a movie on TV and during the movie... They're watching on TV. The ghosts hijack the screen. They think, like, they change it. You change the channel! And they're, like, futzing with the remote. And they're like, oh, we'll just turn it off. And, like, it doesn't go off. It keeps showing this old-timey scene. And it's a flashback to when Caleb and his family came to the poor farm. And his dad was pretty sick. Like, he's hacking pretty bad. And the mom's just given birth pretty recently to a tiny baby. Caleb's dad tries to explain how he lost his land, but the... Jagoffs don't care. They're the Jags, but I started going with the Jagoffs and like the Jagoffs <laughs> don't care. Miss Ada decides she doesn't like Caleb's face and she slaps him. 
which, you know, fair. <laughs> <laughs> then they split the family up despite Caleb's mother's protests. She's informed that this isn't a hotel. So there's like no in-between between, oh, let's keep the family together and a fancy hotel. It's like, they're just screw yourself. But they did that in workhouses, too. Where they'd split up the families, which I get why they did. So it's like, don't make more babies for us to have to feed. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I at least want my kids with me. But the baby can stay with the mom. Yeah. Caleb's locked in a tiny closet where he yells until he drops, and that's all they see until the screen goes dark and grandmother orders them to bed. Next chapter, the ghosts wake the kids up, and then they make them watch the rest of the magical misery <laughs> show. It was such a dumb, unnecessary like chapter break i really hated that it's yeah like, just have it all done in one yeah also You're just pick- the whole thing like if it was told from the point of view of one of the kids i could kind of believe it as like some sort of weird like spiritual memory projection but the way that they're making they're making it sound like it's a film like there are like these external cameras of like right. what's going on and i'm like no like we pan across <laughs> a miserable field where all these people are dropping to the ground dying how did Close- you get ken burns to narrate this he's not even dead only dead people can narrate dead people films. <laughs> That's how we got Walter Cronkite. <laughs> Where are we at? The Magical Misery Show is what I called it. Where they see Caleb's little sisters died, and then each of the parents do as well. They see people forced to work outside in all extremes of weather, and they hardly are, are fed anything. Um, they're often coatless and shoeless. And, of course, the Jagoffs are living high on the hog, stuffing their faces, and freely spending the money meant for the people in their care. Miss Ada cooked the books, keeping one that she shows the county inspector, and another with their ill-gotten gains and the names of everyone in the numbered burial plots, which I thought was a weird thing to do. Why would you, like, keep track of the names in the... Right? It's like, yeah, this is literally where the bodies are buried. I hope no one finds this. Yeah, why did you keep a detailed <laughs> list, and why did you also label, like... Just mass grave that if you're trying to hide it. Yeah, it's weird. (laughs) Well, then it wouldn't be easily resolved if she didn't do it this way. So anyway, uh, one day Miss Ada beats the boys for stealing food. And then she keeps them out in the snow until they give the names of the kids they shared food with. As we all know, snitches get stitches and the boys freeze to death. They're buried in 27, 28, and 29. You're in a blizzard, Caleb. (laughs) That's terrible. So chapter 13... The lovely bad ones tell the kids that Cornelius eventually ran away from the farm with the money box, but the kids are filled in with rocks and bits of newspaper. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not long after, Ada hung herself and became a ghost too, thereby ruining their fun. Miss Ada can hurt the ghosts just by looking at them. Uh, She stares into their eyes and they feel all the discomfort they'd ever felt when they were alive, every beating, and they relive the grief for their lost family members. Of course, Miss Ada shows up then and starts hurting the bad ones. Uh, When Cory tries to defend them, Miss Ada turns on her furious about Cory's ghost performance and swears revenge. And of course, no one gets sleep that night. (laughs) Like, Miss Ada's super scary. Like, I thought she was scary. I was like, okay, now it's scary. (laughs) Like, I don't like this character. Because remember in Fablehaven when that, like, woman with the dark eyes outside and I was like, that part upset me. That kind of spectral woman thing. Like, that's, like, the ghost or... This really scares me. There's this Netflix series called The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, my friend was just watching that the other yeah, day. Yeah, um, I've started watching it. None of the characters are particularly likable, but, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, really drawn to it, so I keep watching it. And Is it just the tone of it, do you think? or I like the tone, yeah, but yeah. it's just, like, the character. I don't know. Anyway, it kind of flashes back between modern times 
And then the family lived in the house, I think, in, like, the early 90s or something. And then uh, they flashes back to the future where you see the results of what these kids living in this haunted house did to them. And it screwed all of them up in their own ways. Mm -hmm. But anyway, like, one of the littlest, she sees a woman in the house, and she's called the Bent Neck Woman. And I was like, I already don't like this. But the dad's, like, telling her, like, oh, children's dreams are like oceans. And then when you wake up, there's just a bit of a spill. So your Bent Neck Lady, she's just a spill. I know she's very real to you. And blah, blah, blah. And then uh, she decides not to sleep in her room anymore because she doesn't want the woman to come get her or look, look at her. Like, she, I don't think she does anything to her. She's sleeping on a couch in another room and she wakes up and you see her eyes open and she's like... This is scary. And then like the screen tilts and you see this long, dark-haired woman just hovering over looking at her and I was like, I'm not sleeping again! Because <laughs> that's the kind of thing that scares the shit out of me! <laughs> it's a scary ghost lady. It's like terrifying me. Ugh. So Miss Ada can just go F herself. I hate her. Oh. Anyway. The next morning, grandmother takes the kids shopping for new clothes. They meet Mr. Pumphrey and his cat Mog in his bookstore. I was like, can we just finish the rest of the story here? You know who they really should have gone shopping for clothes with? Who? The guy from uh, Sisters Grimm. It's colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> the big bad wolf? Yeah. I can't remember his real name. Mr. Canis? That's right, Canis, because and I was like, I don't like this name. It sounds too much like anus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they meet Mr. Pumphrey and his cat Mog in his bookstore, and they chat about ghosts, and he warns the kids about their friendship with the bad ones, and that it's dangerous to cross the line between living and dead. And I feel like there was a particular emphasis on that, and it doesn't really pan out. He's also one of the only other people that actually like believes in ghosts and has a ghost story of his own but he's that a is weirdo like, about it yeah exactly he's like just a regular bookseller that's like yeah i've seen stuff yeah i saw a thing happen so i know what happens yeah i like, don't know if the stories about your place are true because right? they sound kind of exaggerated yeah but... i was like that's it's a very reasonable position yeah. to take <laughs> i like his dog his kitty i almost said doggy okay did we want to talk about anything in that space of time because i covered quite a bit you i did. covered the film they're that watching stupid stupid way of telling them that. well it starts with him watching a comedy on hbo and i was like there's no way she's paying for hbo well and what's this comedy and i was like there's teenagers i'm like are they watching american pie that was like the first thing i thought of i'm like they can't be watching that grandmother get off your ass stop them from doing that let them talk about ghosts all they want but <laughs> why are they watching a comedy on hbo you know it's rated r <laughs> but yeah she ain't paying for no hbo a former school teacher who runs an inn now in Vermont where no one stays. She's not paying for HBO. <laughs> when they go to town to go shopping, it says the weather drove us in and out of stores where stuff was too expensive or we already had it or we didn't like it. And that's just me at every mall. <laughs> like, there's nothing here for me. <laughs> Did you like Mog the cat? Yes. Yeah. It was a big orange kitty. That's my, yeah. that's my, that's my jam. When they describe the bookstore, it says, Like most used bookstores, there didn't seem to be much order. No Dewey Decimal System, for example. Just piles of nice old books with yellowing pages going soft around the edges. And I wrote, that's the easiest way to get me to leave a bookstore. Yeah. Like, I I like visiting and supporting independent bookstores, but it is so frustrating when they don't even take the time to organize them. Or when they have a bunch of them facing a window that gets a lot of sun and they're just bleaching all of the covers. Yeah. I'm like, really? Sorry, I'm just drinking my, my carbonated water. It's not LaCroix, so don't get all hoity-toity with me. What? I'm talking to the viewers, oh. listeners. Okay. The viewing listeners. <laughs> this is not... This is not a visual medium. 
That really should be the tagline for our podcast. I, I kind of liked the exchange of the woman coming in to pick up a book, and it was uh, a first edition of The Murder at the Vicarage. 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 And she was like, it's the only Agatha Christie first edition I don't have. And I'm like, that's the sort of situation that I've like watched firsthand. I was like, oh, that's just a fun little little booky tidbit. I liked that. And that was a good, that's a good book too, Murder at the Vicarage. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like Agatha Christie anyway, but it's one of the Miss Marple ones, and I kind of like those better than Poirot. Even though she wrote more of Poirot, it's probably why Miss Marple's a little bit better. Because you're not oversaturating her. There's only right. about 12 Miss Marple novels, right. I think. And then, like, quite a few short stories. Have... But there's, like, like, there's, like, 40 or 50 Poirot. I assume you've read a fair number of mm-hmm. her books at this point. Would you say that there's a significant difference between, like, what mysteries she would choose for one detective versus the other? No, but she'd kind of have to go about it, like, differently. Because Poirot can, like... Well, it's like Miss Marple, like, her her deal is that she's an old woman. Mm-hmm. So she can't go traipsing about the countryside because, you know, just, I think she had angina or something, so she kind of had to sit for well, a most bit. women do so have an she... angina. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> There's one! There's one! It's not she... even from the book. No, but, um, no, she just had to, like, she, she'd have to have people investigate for her and kind of piece things together herself, while, while Raz Poro could do a lot more. Okay. But he does get kind of old himself later. I don't know. It's it, it, it'd be kind of annoying because like the the main detective would be in it, but they're kind of old and it's like they're younger companions who go out doing stuff and they're like annoying younger British people. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I just thought it'd be interesting having like two simultaneous series that are in the same genre. Like, how do you determine when a story works better for one versus the other? Yeah, I don't know. It, not really. And she told things in a variety of different ways. Yeah. So he, did, he the Poirot didn't always have the same sidekick. Like, he had side same sidekick for a while until Agatha Christie got sick of him and <laughs> sent him to South America with a wife. Just like, go. I'm so tired of you. <laughs> I wish it had been, like, an Agatha Christie book that was, like, the murder was blamed on a ghost and then turned out not to be. Because then I think that would have been more of, like, a cool tie-in yeah. with, like, the book. But uh, Murder of the Vicarage, it's regular old murder yeah chapter 14 the kids meet up with the bad ones and the ghosts show the kids uh, miss ada's grave the ghosts want markers on their graves too but in order to know exactly who's buried where because the kids know where they themselves are buried but they didn't see where everybody was buried so they don't know everything so they right. don't know what name goes with what right and which like made sense the three named ghosts have a lot more consciousness and agency than the rest of the the shadow children yeah. so they're kind of like they're the spokespeople for the rest of the group because right. those ones can't I, I don't know if they just are missing too much of their identity to be able to manifest or something so like i wondered if maybe they were just so young yeah really small kids are kind of kind of are really disorganized yeah yeah okay so they all want gravestones too just they just want their like they just want a respectful burial yeah. I, I understand that but in order to know exactly where everyone's buried they need ada's book Ada's book, which is kind of like when you get a box of chocolates that has a diagram telling you what pieces of chocolate are where, so you can avoid, like, the really gross ones. I'm like, oh, there's a coconut in that corner. No way. <laughs> so they decide to check room seven because that's what Ada's room had been prior to it becoming an inn. The two old ladies who had the mouse thrown on their table, are that's their room now. They're Miss Baines and Miss Edwards. So the kids go and knock on the door. And ladies are out, so they go back to Grandma's office and they steal a spare room key and then let themselves in. 
I'm not sure what the game plan was here. It's not stupid. Like they, they try to they try to find like loose floorboards to try to pull it up. I, I and then they were like moving pictures off the walls. So I was like, what where do you look? What are you doing? What is the what is the plan here? I was I, so confused. I got a little glossy during that bit. Right. It's stupid. They're not even able to look for very long because of course the old bags come back, and the ghosts create havoc and they send the old ladies running. And that gives Travis and Corey the chance to, like, get out of the room undetected. But, of course, everyone thinks the kids did this, and the old ladies huffily check out of the room. So, uh, Grandmother lectures the kids on chasing paying customers away, (laughs) but Corey tells her it was the ghosts! She's about to tell them to cut the BS, and she's sending them back home, but the ghosts start up their crap again. It's clear the kids aren't doing it. Like, it even says, like, they both hold up their hands, like, we're not doing the knocking. <laughs> like, quit blaming it on us. The kids clearly aren't doing it, and Grandmother gives up. Fine! Ghosts are real. And suddenly, she's able to see the bad ones. They apologize for being disruptive, but they need Travis and Corey to stay and do three things. One, find Miss Ada's account book. Two, mark the graves of all the dead. And three, exorcise Miss Ada. Grandmother's like, huh? And she gets info dumped on. Uh, Her head's spinning, but hey, it's dinner time, Mrs. Brewster says. She sees the mess and knows it was the bad ones and specifically lectures Seth. Turns out Mrs. B is a descendant of his and everyone in the family for generations stays on at the farm and they try to find Ada's account book and haven't so far. Where did you guess it would be? And was it immediately like she's probably buried with it? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yep. (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> so, I was like, Gen- fucking generations? How stupid are you guys? I hate when it... That's it, the first place I'd think. When when their books are like, you know, it's been hundreds of years that we've dealt with this problem, and then like two random kids come in and they save the day, and it's like, well, really? You just, why don't you just open the door? Yeah. What? <laughs> it never occurred to us. The door says, open me. <laughs> Okay, so that's two Fs. I'm sorry. Hey, you still got one more to hit par, so... Do I... (laughs) Chapter 16. The next day, the kids decide to go digging in the grove for the book, because they think maybe she buried it out there right before she hung herself, which, okay, fair. I mean, no, but... Yeah. That's that's an idea, at least. (laughs) Okay, while they're out there, Seth screws around. He starts imitating Miss Ada's death throes, which, why would you do that? Right? Of course she shows up. She suddenly appears hanging from a tree and taunts them, saying her book is somewhere they will never dare to look. And he describes her face as purple, and I was like, this is a children's book. <laughs> oh, God, that, I was like, that's actually really horrific. I'd be very upset. It gets even more, like, upsetting. I know, I know. Yeah, she's hanging from the tree, and she says that her book is somewhere they will never dare to look. So it's buried with you? Shit! <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was like, what's the most horrible place you can think of? clutched in her dead arms yeah okay so chased away the kids brainstorm where else it could be and travis suggests that it's buried with her <laughs> the bad one sees on that since cornelia sneaked back to see ada once she was dead he could have easily slipped the book into the casket how did you not give this information to the people who have been looking for this for years mr and mrs brewster clearly don't want to be in this shithole <laughs> they want to move on with their damn lives Instead, they're babysitting this dumbass and his idiotic friends. Oh, God. Anyway. And if they've been sleeping for a long time, how did... Oh, never mind. Who cares? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I want to get out of here. Okay, the kids refuse to dig up the grave until the ghosts browbeat them into it. But not now while the sun's up. Have a little style, please. Midnight's for grave robbing. I've been like, no, we're doing it in the daytime and we're not doing it at all. <laughs> and I want my grandmother here. <laughs> also, 
if the ghosts can move stuff around, why don't they just dig it up? Why do the kids have to dig it up? Yeah, why do we have to do it? That was what confused me. Is like you can, especially you since can do anything. Especially since they mostly did. They did most of the digging. And they they're did the all... ones who pried open yeah. the coffin. And I was like, why did they need to be here for this? <laughs> you guys have the power to help yourselves all along. All right, so chapter 17. Um, at dinner, the inn's packed with a busload of senior citizens. Uh, the bad ones screw around and nearly knock down a chandelier. And everyone panics. I want to swing. Well, I was thinking more like, if you're knocking down a chandelier, you gotta have the phantom playing. <laughs> Beneath the eyebrows, I know he's there. Anyway. So, uh, Grandmother manages to calm all the guests, but, uh, the ghost thing is upset her and she goes to bed sick. Did you think that was gonna play into something? Did you think maybe, like, Miss Ada knew what they were up to and she was gonna, like, possess the grandma and, like, mess her up or something? Now that you say it, I feel like I should've, but when I was reading it, I, I was just like... Mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, she's sick, what's gonna happen with that? Nothing! <laughs> One of the downsides to reading print books is that it's really easy to see how much you have left in the story. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, they're not going to add that plot point at this point. Why not? It could have ended with like the big conclusion could have been she was able to hurt them because she was possessing the grandma. That would have been better. Wouldn't it have been? <laughs> I wonder if Mary Downing Hahn considered that. And maybe that's why she set it up that way. Maybe and the editor, editor was, was like, like, that's too scary. <laughs> but what they just... left in was horrifying still. It really was. Probably more so. No, if it's like the face of your grandma who's doing this to you. That's that's pretty bad. Listeners, when we get to the final conclusion, why don't you send in your votes for what would have been scarier? We want to hear from you. I don't want my grandma doing that to me. Yeah, so I was disappointed with that. Anyway, midnight comes and the kids go dig. They pry open Miss Ada's casket and they find her corpse clutching an iron box. Back at the end, the kids open the box and they find the step one. Open the box. (laughs) 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 Gotta find that book. Okay, and they find the book is uh, damp and moldy. Luckily, it's still legible, and it takes Travis past 3 a.m. to get all the names copied, and then he passes out on the floor. Now I'm I just, was like, this is too easy. Now I'm just picturing, like, they, they, they get the box, and then, like, she's put in, like, a dildo or something on the <laughs> other side. And they're like... They open it up, and it's like, it's not the book! <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Seth and the kids are just rolling on the floor laughing. <laughs> Like, we made you open her dick box. <laughs> Every single holiday, a dick in the box. <laughs> so when they're discussing that the book might have been buried with her, yeah, Travis is like, I imagine Corey and me digging one hole after another, fighting roots and rocks with our shovels, sweating in the heat, bitten by gnats and mosquitoes. Not a pretty picture. And I wrote, I don't know, I might read it. Got any yellow spotted lizards? Holes. Okay. The actually really good book that is just about digging holes. <laughs> I never read it. I haven't I, read it in a long time. I we haven't could, seen the film. We could read that for. We could do like two episodes where we do like one that one of us has definitely read. Okay, the other cut hasn't. this because we have a lot of. And there was one teacher who. Oh my he never fucking told Oh no! Him. So we. That stupid bitch. (laughs) I just wanted to tell you that so you can appreciate it. (laughs) 
when grandmother finally acknowledges grandmother grandmama <laughs> are you ever so cross because we because we created ghosts when she finally gives in to the whole ghost thing yeah that was right at the point where i was like i swear if you deny them one more time yeah. i don't like you anymore right same <laughs> i was just like at, at this point you become just an insufferable person who yeah. cannot accept reality as it actually is yeah because then you're not the rational person yeah. anymore. You're behaving irrationally yeah. by your insistence on being rational. So I loved it that she was just like, okay, fine. Yeah. I give up. There's ghosts. I hate that word. Ghosts. Gosh, when Seth is talking about her last moments, <sighs> this is where she hanged herself. Seth pointed to a twisted tree that cast an especially dark shadow. And this here's the very branch. Like a monkey, he jumped up and grabbed a long limb. Swinging back and forth, he said, she turned and she twisted. And I was like, whoa. Well, I mean, she did basically kill his whole family. So, yeah, go ahead and bask in that. But it's a lot for a kid's book. Yeah. There's a really bad hanging pun, and I'm trying to find it. Oh, yeah. And it's like, that's the place where you'd say she hangs out. Yeah, I remember that. That was, like, right after they're revealed, I think. It's not worth looking for. It's stupid. I'm just bummed because I was like, ah, oh, that's what I would have said as a ghost. And I would have felt bad about it. <laughs> but not enough to not say it again. <laughs> and then I'm like across the room going, don't. <laughs> While you make it. And then I go, ah. <laughs> yeah, there's this ghost who groans. But she only groans at puns. Uh, last three chapters, folks. So, chapter 18. In the morning, the kids present the account book to Mrs. B and their grandmother, and then they go into town, and they find out that 67 gravestones cost crazy money, which I, I was just like, there's no way you're going to make us know for every single person. This is going to cost billions of dollars. <laughs> we made popsicle stick crucifixes. <laughs> okay, so they're presented with a cheaper option of one big stone that would have everyone's names on it, and the dude's going to further lower his fee because of the historical significance of what they're doing. I feel like they could have probably got to the historical society and they could have helped chip in with like their like measly dues or whatever to be part of the society to like go towards that because that is a big historical important right. thing. Yeah. So it shouldn't have just been on the grandmother to fund this, but this is me coming at it as an adult. Maybe maybe later she brings um, them the paperwork and she's like... They're not haunting me anymore. But yeah. <laughs> then they stop by the historical society to give them Miss Ada's book. And the woman they speak to turns out to be descended from Caleb's older brother, Jonathan. And he'd only escaped the poor farm because he'd been apprenticed to a blacksmith. How old do you have to be to be apprenticed? Couldn't you I have, feel like, like 12 or 13, you could start an apprenticeship. Oh, God, if your option is to go to that hellhole, I would have tried to find something for him fast. Just like, I don't want my kid going right. there. It's bad enough my new baby's having to come with me there, but I want some kids to survive. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that night, the bad ones are thrilled by the kid's progress. You know who isn't thrilled? Ada! She shows up and demands her book back. Which she does in chapter 19. Ada wraps them up in her dress, and she stares into their eyes, and they relive every bad thing that's ever happened to them. Even though I can't imagine it's been anything that bad, but I don't know. Picture day! <laughs> Picture day! Being forced to swim at summer camp! <laughs> Which they were bellyaching about, like, earlier in the book. 
And then she starts dragging them to the grove. And, like, Travis just goes along with it. Like, yeah, we're bad. We should be punished. Well, Corey's like, dude, just, you know, she's fighting her. And it's like, come on. We need to fight this. Well, Travis is like, no, I'm done. Well, okay. it seems like, because all three of the ghosts are boys. So maybe she had, like, a hatred, hatred for boys. boys. And so she was specifically focused on trying to punish him because of that. Well, she shouldn't be especially pissed at Corey. Because Corey's the one who, like, Stevie nixed her way through the... Through the grove, and then, like, Ada's like, I don't do that! <laughs> Got really offended. <laughs> Thunder only happens when it's raining. <laughs> anyway, so, um, they gave away her book, and they must be punished. So Travis is compelled to climb the tree and hang himself in Ada's noose, which I was dude, like, this is a children's book! Dude, I was like, this is horrifying. Yeah. And he's just like, like, because you're... This is one of the only times where the fact that it was first person actually paid off because he's yeah, he's justifying he's okay. it. Mm-hmm. He's like, I deserve this. Yeah. I just have to like put this around my neck. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how, what? He's that old man <laughs> meme, guess I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, the bad ones turn up and they snap him out of it. And then they play keep away with Ada and then proclaim she has it's, it's this very labyrinth moment that she has no power over them. She doesn't have power to hurt them unless they let her. And then they demand she apologize, but she refuses. Then there's a figure of a man who appears at the edge of the grove. And the kids instinctively fear him. Ada thinks it's her brother, but the bad ones know who it really is. And they urge her to repent, which she does not. And she uh, refuses and she goes to the man because she thinks it's her brother. It ain't Cornelius. And she's then dragged away by you know who to you know where. Voldemort? Yeah, to Hogwarts. You're a wizard, Ada. <laughs> no, it's clearly Satan. Old Scratch. What if it's the spirit of somebody who abused her when she was younger, and it's like it's a metaphor for the cycle of abuse? I think it's clear it's Satan. You're clear it's Satan. How the f would the ghost children have known who it was? They just see like the scary. I know. I just I thing. feel like Satan showing up for that is a little extreme. I think making a child hang himself from the tree where you committed suicide is a little extreme. There's, we're Let's we're just agree that we've all been a little immature during this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Satan, Ada, and all the kids and ghosts are just sitting around like, okay, I think we have some apologies. <laughs> I mean, you did sass mouth her. Yeah, but she killed my parents. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's table that. Okay. She has you the- stole cheese! She has the speaking bear. <laughs> She has the speaking bear. Oh, God. Let's just finish this. Okay, chapter 20. The headstone's installed, and the bad ones screw with the workmen, which is like, why are you doing that? They're helping you. Stop it. You're just being irritating. No, they're the lovely bad ones. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Exercise those dumb fudgers. I wanted to get at least just only two. Okay. Anyway, they're pleased with the stone, and the shadow children even find their names. Well, one little boy like, that's my name, Samuel Green! And I'm like, oh, little Sammy. Anyway, that night, the bad ones present Grandmother with Cornelius Jagoff's sack of gold, and she decides to donate it to the needy rather than keeping it. Then they say their goodbyes, and then literally climb a stairway to heaven. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lady who show. (laughs) and then like a shooting star flies overhead and they're like i know that they're home and i was like that reminds me of the heaven's gate cult 
you would have been a small, really small child when this happened. But the Heaven's Gate cult are the people that when the Hale-Bopp comet came, they were convinced that there was a spaceship behind it that that was going to take them home. So they all had to kill themselves in order to be able to get on the spaceship to go home. So that's what it reminded me of. So that's that's the end of the, the book. Jeez, that friggin' the hanging scene is like legit messed up. Should I read it? I don't... Oh, God, go ahead, I guess. Editor's note, what follows is a passage from the book that details the suicide attempt mentioned earlier. If that's not something you want to hear, go ahead and skip about 30 seconds and we'll continue the discussion. While Corey sobbed, I began to climb slowly like someone in a dream, hand over hand from one branch to the next. All around me, leaves rustled inside. The noose was just above my head. It turned slowly in the breeze. All I needed to do was climb to the next limb and slip it over my head. I had to do exactly as Miss Ada said, follow her instructions, atone for all the bad things I'd done. Like, oh man. The money that she receives is in the form of... Gold coins! 220 gold coins. They're all $5 pieces. I did some research. It depends on what year they were minted and where they were minted at and the condition. But the lowest value of those would be approximately a grand total of $93,500. You can keep some of them. Yeah, right? (laughs) It's like like $450 a coin at like the low end. But depending on the minting, you could get up to like two grand per coin. So like... I can see why she wouldn't want to keep it though. That's basically blood money. Right. Yeah. Wow, you have a lot written. (laughs) What did you draw? What is that? That's from Gravity Falls. Okay. Yeah, so that was that was the lovely bad ones. The lovely bad ones. It was all right. It, yeah. it wasn't her finest work. No, but definitely not the worst we've read in this uh, project we've yeah. been doing. Where would we place it? Is it higher than Penderwick's? No. Okay, Penderwick's is a little bit better. I would say it's some somewhere between like. I feel like it's better than Schooled. You think? Yeah. I thought school was okay. I, I had more... I, I enjoyed reading this more. Okay. We should actually, like, compile our personal, like, rating lists and see how much things differ. Because, like, Wings of Fire is going to be way lower for me than for you. Yeah, but it's not that high either. Yeah. and uh, at... That's not the hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> like, the book I'll defend or anything. Right. None of these really are. Wait, you think it's about the same level as Mrs. Frisbee? No, I like Mrs. Frisbee way more. Oh, you do? Okay. Oh, yeah. Part of that's nostalgia. Okay. But part of it is also just, I, I think it's a lot more interesting to have super smart rats that are constructing their own farm. I just super like ghost stories, so that's kind of my... <laughs> I like ghost stories, but I hate ghost hunting shows. Right? <laughs> and I don't really like the shows where they're like, we moved into a haunted yeah. house. Because like, it's just, I'm just like, I don't think this all really yeah. happened. Well, kind of, the fun of it is the is the what if and the mystery of it, not mm-hmm. the trying to take it so seriously like okay i'm bringing up the show again just because i've been watching it like every night just one episode at a time because i don't i know i won't be able to handle more mm-hmm. but that haunting of hill house like it kind of surprises you because like a lot of it is just like they hear a noise and they look around you don't quite see the scary thing mm-hmm. but then sometimes they twist that and i'm like although they won't show it so i won't tilt my laptop screen away because <laughs> sometimes the scary music builds and i tilt it away so right. i don't have to see the scary thing right away and then like you know the Duh! music happens and then this kid screams or whatever and i flip it back to see what it was that scared them 
that got me good because I was just like, they're not going to show anything. And then they showed it really gravely scary. And I screamed and jumped. I, <laughs> I typically don't do that because, again, because I tilt things away. Or yeah. like, I, I, like, hide. And, like, a few that, that got me a couple times with this show. Because they do a lot, again, like, yeah, it's, it's a lot of, like, you know, it's scary the things you don't see. Right. And then you'll think, like, oh, they'll keep doing that. Like, wait, they didn't. <laughs> like, why did you do that? Anyway, so, ghost stories are fun. I like them. Yeah. And this was, this was okay. I might have liked it better if I didn't go in with the whole, it's Mary Downing Hawn. She'll do it. She'll save us. Right. She'll, this will be so great because da 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 da. So, I kind of, I set myself up. I done goofed. Yeah. You pulled a schooled. Because I was like, Gordon Corman, he's always great. Oh. <laughs> and then it was like, it wasn't awful, but it just w- didn't live up to No, it didn't. That's all right. They can't all be doll bones. Or, wish... or things about jellyfish. I would, I would love for that to happen again, but I feel like five stars should come along kind of rarely. Yeah, two, out, two them... out of ten at five stars, I think that's about. Yeah, sounds about right. All right. Uh, so for next month, we are going to be reading The View from Saturday by E.L. James. No. Why did you do that? E.L. E. Konigsberg. <laughs> there will not be S&M in this book. God, what if there was? Why would it be in the children's <laughs> section? Oh my god. It's just coded. It's just coded? Yeah, they're bike riding. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they keep changing gears? They keep referencing the chains. <laughs> so anyways, that will be next month's book. Is it really? When do we return to Fablehaven? We'll get back to Fablehaven eventually. Yeah, so we're not sure what we're going to do immediately after View from Saturday, but we do have planned that for the one year anniversary of the Fablehaven episode, we're going to revisit that series and do yeah. the second book. Because we, uh, I think I ended up liking it more in retrospect than... <laughs> than when I was reading it. It's fun on its own, and it left open good directions for it to go. And with as much attention as the author and the series have had since then, I feel confident in at least going another book in. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, I already have it as well. Yeah. We will not be returning to Sisters Grimm. We will not. We will not be returning to Tunnels. Oh my god, no. (laughs) We also won't be returning to Wings of Fire. I would be okay with maybe, like, next summer doing the next Penderwick's book. Yeah. That'd be kind of fun. I'll be, it was I'm a, okay with that. It was a good summer read. Yeah, it was. How about the book that will not be named? You know what? You go ahead and finish <laughs> editing that episode, and we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that being said, Hello Fellow Kids is hosted by Mara and Josh, produced by Josh, music provided by Ben Ash. Visit him at benash.com. If you wish to contact us, you can do so at hfkpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at HFK Podcasts. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. I think I got through all of those without stumbling, and I'm pretty sure that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next month with The View from Saturday. Not by E.L. James. No. (laughs) Bye. Bye.